Ladies and gentlemen of the company, this is your half call. You now have 30 minutes. 30 minutes, thank you. Hello, welcome back to the Stage Podcast in association with Charcoal Blue. Calls this month are courtesy of Jordan at Exeter Northcott Theatre. Thank you, Jordan, for those. I'm very excited because in a minute I'll be talking to Lynn Gardner and comedian Tom Allen, you know, from off the telly, about Marianne Elliott's new revival of Stephen Sondheim's Company, which has just opened in the West End. And last month, you may remember, I sent Fergus Morgan to have a go at voice lessons with the RSC's head of voice, Kate Godfrey, in an effort to finally find something he was talented at. Well, it definitely wasn't voice work, so this month he decided to run away and join the circus. He got a bit scared, though, and asked me to go with him, so I chaperoned him while he got a masterclass in rope and aerial hoop skills from circus company Mimbra. But to start, you may remember a few months back there were loads of news articles about an understudy from the musical 42nd Street who had to run across to Mamma Mia and play the lead role with about two minutes' notice. That was Steph Parry, who then went on to take the lead in 42nd Street, Dorothy Brock, for two months over the summer, sandwiched actually between Lulu and Bonnie Langford. Well, she's now a standby on the show again, and I went and sat with her in her dressing room at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane during a matinee of 42nd Street, while we sort of waited anxiously to see if anyone would, I know, suddenly be struck down with disease or serious injury so that Steph would get to go on. So you are standby. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people, I remember a lot of the headlines when you rushed over to my mate said understudy. Yes. So, tell me about the difference. So, understudy is usually somebody who's in the ensemble, so they would have an onstage track. Um, so it's kind of it's the jobs that I've done previously, where I've had an ensemble role, and then I've understudied a principal or a couple of principal roles. And then, if I have to go on, then a swing will take my place in the ensemble. Uh, whereas a standby is, you are literally standing by. So, if I'm not on for one of the two roles that I cover, then I am sat in the dressing room twiddling my thumbs. You have to be there. (laughs) I do, I have to be there, yeah. So that's quite a weird existence then. Yeah, and also, because other people think as well that because there's alternates as well, and alternates would usually get a show or a couple of shows Mm -hmm. a week, um, whereas standbys don't necessarily get that. Tell me about, uh, so this was a few months back, tell me about what happened on that Fateful evening. <laughs> <Hateful> evening. <laughs> I was sat in my dressing room. I'd, I'd just got back from holiday, so I'd been on holiday uh, up until the night before. Yeah. I came back, um, so I was like on a high from holiday and chatting to everybody and warm up and not really paying attention. And then, you know, went back to my, my dressing room and phoned my husband and made my dinner. And then the phone rang and it was my company manager here at 42nd Street. So I thought, and this was the time when Lulu was playing Dorothy Brock. And I was like, oh, Lulu must be going off. And then he just was like, oh, if I had a phone call from um, David Lamb at Mamma Mia, the company manager. And I was a bit like, okay. Um, and he just was like, they've had an emergency. I'm not sure what's going on. I'll call you back. And I was just like, oh, like what? What? <laughs> so um, anyway, he phoned me back about a minute later and was just like, yeah, you've, um, they need you. Can you run around there now? And I ran down the road. And at this point, I had no idea what was going on. And, <laughs> Did you know uh, who you were going to play? No. <laughs> No, like at this point, it was. I just knew that there was an emergency had happened, yeah. and that's as far as it got. And I just remember thinking, as I was running around there, going, "Please don't let it be Rosie. Please don't let it be Rosie." Because <laughs> I'd played that role like once five years ago. Yeah, but you'd played Donna before, hadn't you? I so I was cover all three. Right. I was first cover Tanya. Yeah. Second Donna, third Rosie in London mm-hmm. five years ago, and then um, I did the Royal Caribbean contract mm-hmm. last year. So. Um, 
I played Donna on The Allure of the Seas and it's slightly different because it's the American script and it's a different director so the the blocking is completely different and the choreography is weirdly the same but different so it's like... What are you feeling when you're on stage in a show which you... in that version you haven't done for five years or a slightly different version you've done a year before like are you just terrified? Yeah, and the weird thing is, is when I was there, when I was at the Novello five years ago, mm. I only played Donna five times. Okay. And now this year, you know, I've almost played, done it the same amount of times. I did it in a year, like, yeah, while doing another show. So, yeah, crazy. So at this point right now, so we're in your dressing room. What's your routine now? What, what are you up to at the moment? I, I eat. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is something that, like, when, so when I was really fortunate, I got given Dorothy Brock for a couple of months. Yeah. It was like the thing that I couldn't figure out. I was like, when oh, do, when I, do I, I eat? <laughs> <laughs> because I always eat during the show. Yeah, so that was a bit of a, like, that's just become what I do now, is I come here and I have my dinner. I do, like, life admin that I don't yeah. necessarily do at home. I save things and then... So then it feels like I'm coming to work. My friend Emma Hatton, who was at Standby Alphabet, yeah. she had like a little business, a cra- like a craft business going on. Wow. And yeah, she was making like um, photo frames. And she started that when she was Standby. And a few of the other Standbys, they, they, they really did things. I feel like I've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have that sense when you're in your dressing room and waiting for, you know, as the performance is going mm. on? Do you still have that kind of sense of like, it could happen any second or does that sort of fade as you go on I do feel like it's faded but I don't know if it's because I'm covering Yasna Revere and Bonnie Langford who are just powerhouse so I think I am a little bit like if I'm not scheduled to be on then perhaps I am a little bit you know too getting a bit too comfortable (laughs) I'll probably find myself like one day just literally mid something like you're on and I'm what So we'll drop in on Steph again later, a bit further on into the show. But here's Tom Allen and Lynn Gardner talking about Marianne Elliott's production of Company with me. The Stephen Sondheim musical was written in 1970, and it was originally a male 35-year-old main character called Bobby, who's afraid to get married, and surrounded by loads of married couples. And the musical was kind of revolutionary because it didn't have a plot, really. It's just kind of songs and disconnected scenes exploring the theme of marriage. And it has some of Sondheim's best songs as well, so there's the tongue-twisting getting married today and there's being alive and marry me a little but Elliot has completely refreshed the show so she's made Bobby a woman played by Rosalie Craig and it just I know feels like a really refreshing update that sort of speaks to today despite being 48 years old um, um, I like that you've got a programme yeah. that's an extravagant <laughs> thing to get <laughs> yeah did you you um, went off your own bat didn't you yeah did you yeah, go, I just wanted to see it. Because you're a Sondheim fan, aren't you? I am a, Son, a huge Sondheim fan, and I just wanted to see it. Had you seen Company before? No, but I knew the songs from okay. the soundtrack. I have the nine, I tend to listen to the 1992 Broadway recording with Elaine Stritch. Oh, fair enough. Well, who wouldn't? Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and Lynn, had you seen it before? Uh, yeah, I've seen it twice before. I saw it with Daniel Evans when it was done oh. at Sheffield. But um, I'm with you, Tom, in that I would say this is probably the Sondheim score that I listen most to in the car. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, it's a good one yeah. for that, isn't it? Yeah. I was surprised with this one that this is this was one of his really early ones. It's I hadn't really realised that. Yeah, but I think it's a fabulous score, yeah. and I think there's something 
about the reinvention that feels really important mm. because even when I saw it at Sheffield and I thought that it was great, nonetheless it felt enormously dated. It's sort of odd, isn't it, as well, that like the idea of a 35-year-old man being pressured into marriage, I yeah. don't really know. I, yeah, I, but I think, of course, in 1970 that yeah. would be an entirely different thing and, of course, what the gender swap really does is something fantastic because it makes it feel current and real because so many 35-year-old women would completely understand and um, I think it's sort of a reminder that sometimes when you pick a show up by the scruff of its neck and uh, you do something quite radical here with it in this case just simply you know simple but radical and swapping that kind of the gender of Bobby Mm. uh, that it sort of starts to smuggle all sorts of other things into the show because everything else around it has to change as well yeah of course it does Yeah. yeah and I would say as well like it's not difficult to allegorise like you say Tim you know to yeah. particularly like the sort of gay fan base gay, gay male fan base I yeah. don't think he's going to be lo- he's going to be unfamiliar with you know picturing themselves as a 35 year old woman yeah, or yeah. man you know like I think it sort of transcends yeah. gender so I think, it's, I think it's a win-win I think yeah. I just think it's amazing and, and of course in that context the fact that Amy becomes Jamie yeah, yeah. and I'm not yes. getting married today yes, is now yeah, about that was gay great. marriage is, yeah. and Jonathan yeah. Bailey is so, so funny. hilarious yeah, it's such great. a great scene yeah. that. in fact I'm not getting married today on the night I saw it uh, the audience stood up and gave it a did stand they, oh, yeah, and I always find like, that really yeah. odd in the oh, theatre so it's like annoying. an ice skating <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when there, somebody <laughs> does that <laughs> there was that sort of frisson of excitement there wasn't it it was yeah. so like everyone was just yeah. like wow is he going to do it yeah yeah it just felt so um, so electric actually yeah. at that point yeah. I think we were all totally yeah. on board with it at that yeah. point I suppose a lot of fans are there and I think there's I something else it. about the way uh, that another hundred people kind of works within this show is that there's that real sense of that feeling of isolation in the middle of a crowd and yeah. the loneliness that I think is exacerbated in the digital age when yes that's phone. true yeah. isn't it there was that yeah. reference because in a way I sort of miss some of the kitsch references of that sort of 70s yeah, New York yeah. like my service will explain and, um, and, and um, there was another you know, when I first heard that song because yeah like you two I've li- listened to the soundtrack a bit obsessively I thought it was like my service in like my valet or something my, oh, uh, my, my service body yeah, yeah. Oh. I didn't realise it was like an answering, answering service, service I think people yeah. had didn't they <laughs> like in that sort of New Yorky kind of yeah. I don't know that kind of way I, I, mean, I don't I, I only can only imagine what New York was like at that point I just but, thought um, everyone in New York at that point had you know a doorman or something yes I get I uh, bet they did funnily enough I did see an uh, uh, article the other day about saying that that kind of answering service is coming back oh is it? Yeah. Yeah. change a bag change a bag yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> quick so um, there, were, there were a couple of those moments of that sort of kitsch New York kind of thing but at the same time I, did, you know, it was, I think it had so much more life by being reimagined yeah. today so what yeah. did it look like explain what it looked like especially it's a very simple um, light sort of boxes covered in light basically that came forward and back and almost like a picture frame mm. I, I felt yeah. uh, or like an advertising board billboard I thought they were really I think, simple and brilliant and uh, sort of very people squashed into their boxes yeah. which I guess is a yeah. there was that simple. first sight where you saw the entire car squished into her time oh flat. yeah that was Which's lovely great. I thought it was just fantastic yeah. the yeah. way it created that sort of 
Alice in Wonderland yes. sense we went back. of the world yes. telescoping up and yes. your, your, yes. your choices telescoping down. Yeah. Oh, and, true, it, and, yes. and it was, you know, they did that through just kind of simple visual gags as well, like the balloons getting bigger yes. or smaller or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's a bit. Oh, I didn't. The idea I was that. Did he say that? Yeah, yes. but it was so. It worked so well. It was just, yeah. yeah, as a quite a strong metaphor. Yeah. But I do think this is an example of a show that has not been overpraised. Yeah. I took somebody who's definitely not a Sondheim fan, and she really, really enjoyed it. Oh, really? It. Yeah. So I don't think. I think you know, Sondheim amongst you know, as musical theatre goes is one of those composers that lots of people feel a bit scared of. Yes, yeah. I think he's seen as a bit uh, yeah. heavy. And also he just he, he lets people act more than they have to be yeah. absolutely pitch perfect. I mean, they are fantastic singers, that cast, but primarily they're acting. Yeah. Which is, great, which is why, like, you know, Jonathan Bailey, who played Jamie and had the really fast song, his American accent's rubbish, but you just don't care. It just doesn't matter no. because... Was it? I didn't notice that. I thought it was a bit pants, but, but I, I didn't matter. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice it. I was so taken in. But... Yeah, you get completely um, wrapped by everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. And also, there's something else that I think that's really kind of quite fascinating about it is that I think we've become really, really attuned to the idea that uh, great classic plays or even less great classic plays will be completely sort of reinvented mm-hmm. for the 21st century yeah. but I think we're less we, we have less often seen musicals yeah, being treated true, in it? that yeah. way and yeah. I think um, I think this may signpost the way about so. how you might you know people keep on going on about the fact oh we've got to invent the great 21st century musical but maybe there is also a way of making what might be considered the uh, greatest art form in theatre of the 20th century, which was the American musical of yeah. the mid-20th century, yes. and yeah. about how that might be reinvented yeah, because for we, now. You forget how experimental things like Company were, or even yeah. you know, like Oklahoma or whatever. They were yeah. incredibly experimental. Which, of course, yeah. in New York has got a kind of apparently really interesting experimental take yeah. going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and now they're seen as kind of quite you know quite stage classics in a lot of ways yeah. but when you do something like that comes and I thought with company actually what Marion Elliott was doing the updating touches were quite light yeah like she swapped yeah. other characters changed a couple of lines that was it yeah but yeah. what she did was made sure that all the ramifications made sense yeah. yes they the absolutely did didn't they yeah and it really and did it feel like it was totally neat totally neat yeah yeah, yeah. There's one person, it seems to me, that we haven't mentioned, and I think we should, and I think that's Patty. Lee. Oh, I assumed we were coming yeah. on to that. At the, I assumed yeah. we were just saving that for, for the end. Yeah. The Patty Lepone section yeah. of this podcast. I just thought she was incredible. As soon as she walked on, it was amazing. I thought she was fantastic as well, but one of the things I really liked about it is actually um, it wasn't a star turn in the yeah. way that one might oh, have expected. I think it's much more subtle than that, in the way that I think the whole production is actually very... Uh, subtle that character is indeed all you know uh, snarl and vodka martinis but I thought vodka stingers vodka stingers sorry Uh, I don't know the difference Uh, (laughs) yeah what is a vodka stinger I was assuming it's a vodka martini oh I did know Um, something rank you call yourself a theatre critic oh (laughs) Tim (laughs) we um, I'll 
I'll look out. I'll put a recipe at the end of the podcast. Yeah. That would be lovely for people. Uh, that that would be brilliant. That's exactly that every every podcast should end with a recipe. Yeah, yes, that would be a cocktail recipe. That's a yeah, no, the listen, very that would make us do. stand out from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we not already? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be good. But I thought there was something that was absolutely complimented um, Rosalie Craig's, you know, absolutely fantastic Bobby uh, in the way that one also sensed the aching sense of loss behind yeah. this character. Yes, there was you that. Know, this yeah. feeling that in some ways that um, she represents, you know, some kind of warning for this is yeah, how exactly. you may turn out. You saw shades of Patty LuPone's character in Rosalie Craig, like the kind of detachedness and a bit of the cynicism and stuff. And it was like her character, Joanne, P- uh, Patty LuPone's character, is like a warning to Rosalie Craig, like, don't be me. This is yeah. what you might become. Yes, I suppose. Yes, I suppose there is that. But but then isn't there that whole thing where she's kind of going, come around and that which was a new invention for this production, I think, isn't it? That she says, sleep with my husband tomorrow. Isn't that? That's, uh, yeah. I think that's a new. Yeah, twist yeah. Because, on it, oh, it? because in the original, doesn't she say sleep with me? Yeah. 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 She's sleep, go and I'll be out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was very it's weird. Yeah. It's such a weird ending. It is quite extraordinary. Um, it just goes from Patty Lupone's like strange cryptic advice into being alive, and then yeah, and then that's the, it. That's enough. And then the, back to the cake. Yeah, the, that's back it. To the cake. Yeah, but um, but it yeah. kind of works. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, it absolutely. Works. I suppose as well, it's that kind of. Uh, it feels like it's that sort of seventies, is it? Tradition of kind of having a series of set pieces, almost like monologues. You get like a chorus line or like um, yeah. follies that you have like one story and then the next story and then the next story, and they're all just sort of page, just sort of a, a, a picture book basically. And you go, oh, there's this little world, and then you're on to the next one. Yeah, because you don't need plot if you've got songs that are that good, really, do you? Yes, I suppose that's what you get. You go for that emotional journey with it, yeah. and, and just this person sort of wandering because around. Because what astonishes me is that in that original production, "Marry Me a Little" isn't in it. But it's like, I don't think there's a better pairing of songs than Marry Me a Little and Being Alive in the way that you see the progression from like, yeah, I'm ready for this, but only halfway. Yeah, and yeah. And then Being Alive where it's like, commit yourself completely, fully to, to the idea of being with someone. I mean, is that the sort of, sorry, I always bring this always back to being gay, but is that the sort of traditional gay narrative? A lot of us have had that experience of being like the outside, but also not feeling able or not wanting to commit I, I mean I think it's ingrained in a lot of cultural references yeah. for us yeah but, yeah yeah because it's and I certainly felt it too I think mm-hmm. I think I felt very much like that a that feeling of isolation but also that reluctance to be able to commit or that not wanting to sort of jump into a relationship like Jamie does as well you yeah, know that exactly sort of, yeah I am 35 as well so it all felt very oh, resonant felt, I must have felt, yeah, yeah very, very very poignant yeah. as a 35 year old woman Tom how did it feel I felt <laughs> very um Em- emboldened by it, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you're gonna get I, a nice long open wig. Oh, I would love. I just like that apartment. I'd be. Able, I'd love to be able to oh, afford an apartment of my own in New York. That would be nice. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if people came around and brought me a cake. Yeah. How does she know all those friends as well? That's never explained, is it? Why she got this like old, grumpy, old, grumpy old couple friends, and then yeah. all these, all these sort of different, such a melange of friends who all seem to get on. But actually, again, I thought that that felt more contemporary and like what it's like now. I think it's yeah, much yeah. more likely that. You know, people have portfolio careers and they're portfolio friends, and oh, yes. I think young women are yeah. much more likely to yeah. have older friends. And, and, and older yeah. people are much more yeah. used to are much, 
we're much more yeah. used to seeing older people confess their feelings, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, talk yeah. about like yeah. and actually being in, insecure in a way that I think perhaps in the past people weren't. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's and it, true. what it's brilliant about as well is of course that thing about when you are in a long-term relationship or married to somebody about how in fact having a third person in your relationship yes. is the way that you converse with your partner. Yeah, that's yes. Awesome. Yes. especially with Mel yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanted to say yeah. about Mel Gedroich. I thought she was so extraordinary. He isn't she? Just yeah. wonderful. Like and just like little, just a little, just the delivery of a line. Yeah. It's just yeah. like just a word, full of full of funniness. It yeah. was so clever. I've seen her. I saw her do Eurobeat, and I've oh, also right. seen her in Panto. Yeah. And I've always thought that woman is wasted on Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> well, she doesn't do it anymore. Well, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, um, yeah. 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 You do said basically, don't you? Uh, no, I do. I, it's very different to him. When I heard that song on the soundtrack, that was one I'd always skip through, actually. And the way he delivered it um, in that scene. What, Sorry Grateful? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I never. I just always found it a bit like drab. As a, really? Yeah, in the, but then seeing it, it was one of the stand-up moments of the show for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what that means. And also, actually, getting married... Um, uh, I always found it sort of, I guess because you're if you're just listening, you sort of yes. it's sort of like what's, what's happening you here. Want it's the performance. It's yeah, it's the, the performance. It relies on the performance. Yeah. In fact, I do hope they do do a cast recording. They've got to. Yeah. I'm Haven't sure they will. Yeah, I, I feel they like do. it's going to. They're booking yeah. through till March, March, isn't it now? Yeah, yeah. So I think it'll um, the siren. Should we let that pass. <laughs> it's the fashion police. Um, the, um, the they're coming for me with my t-shirt on under a jumper. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, but no, I I thought that whole scene with um, the two of them at, quite early on in the show. I thought was really wonderful. Yeah, the one, one actually that I do tend to skip is side by side by side. Yes, just isn't that funny? Bit, I think mm. I probably would as yeah. well. Yeah, but, yeah it's a little bit. That's a little bit slow, isn't it? Yeah, and also you, you don't. Re- you're not understanding why these changes of pace. Happen. Yeah, yeah. But you get to see. It. No, and she and Marianne Elliott, while they were singing this song, added all those party games as well, which was oh, great. Oh yes, like the balloon. <laughs> yes, and, that was really fun, wasn't it? And they just kept handing Bobby shots. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shots, yeah. Which was really, really good. It, funny enough, I wondered whether in fact actually that you could see the whole thing as an alcoholic hallucination that's quite oh. conceptual yeah. Yeah. but it did cross my yeah. mind while I was watching it and the yeah. amount she was drinking and because it's all quite enlarged and dreamlike yeah. and bright yeah. colours yeah yeah well, maybe we should go and see it really drunk and see. Yeah, it. see if it, see, see how it is. Yeah. yeah, I'd be up for that. What um, what Sondheim musical do you want Marianne Elliott to do next? Oh, well, I like Sunday in the Park with George, but I, I like, like it because Sunday in the Park. do you like? Because yeah. I know a lot of people don't like it, yeah. but I like it. But I like it to be on my terms. I don't want everybody to know about it. <laughs> don't want if everybody starts singing. <laughs> what you mean? You just want a personal performance of it? Yes, and I don't want anybody else to know about right. it. Do you, but I think that's the case with a lot of myself in all of the roles. But um, who would I, well, as, as George and yeah and Dot and Dot um, oh I'd not thought about it I was on Michael Ball's radio show and I said you should do it but no I don't like it I don't like it like, Michael Ball yeah. doesn't like yeah. it yeah he doesn't like it a lot of people don't like I think especially the second act they don't like yeah well I, I still think that Sweeney Todd is absolutely right oh, for reinvention yeah. Yeah. oh do you I do. In what in what well, way well it's just that you always see it really within a Victorian context oh yeah you yeah. Say, period don't yeah you? you always see it period I think there are a lot of comparisons between that period, you know, that Victorian period, 
and how we live now. Oh, and do you think poverty? Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that, that really Desperation. See, I found out recently that the Bas- Bassey Arts Centre once did this thing where they got theatre critics to direct a play. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Would you do that, Sweeney Todd? Maybe we should get them to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, then. I, don't think, I don't think they'd have the budget. And would you, uh, <laughs> good yeah, for no, you. I'd, no, I'd, I'd need to go big. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, would you gender swap it as well? Sweeney could be... I mean, it's not, it's not a gender-specific name, really. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does reinvent the... No one calls their child Sweeney these days, do they? I can't think why. <laughs> <laughs> So companies running at the Gielgud Theatre in London, currently booking till 30th of March 2019. A vodka stinger, by the way, is two parts vodka to one part creme de menthe. So I stand by my assessment of its sounding rank. Now, a message from our sponsors. What makes the perfect performance venue? Is it good seats, great views of the stage, the bar, a queue for the toilet that doesn't take you out the front door? In truth, every venue is unique, from a rehearsal room to a West End house to a large-scale presenting venue or even an arena. Undertaking the design or renovation can be a challenge, but at Charcoal Blue, that's all they do. Charcoal Blue are the leading theatre, acoustic and digital design consultancy that have designed, renovated, tweaked and polished more than 150 performance and presentation spaces, both here and abroad, over the past 14 years. From a six-person mobile podcasting studio, that sounds handy, to a new home for the London Symphony Orchestra, their team of experienced musical and theatre professionals innovate at any scale. With studios in London, Bristol and Glasgow, speak to them today about how they can help you realise your ambitions for your space. You can find them at charcoalblue.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at charcoalbluetc. Okay, let's head back to Steph and see where we are in 42nd Street. So we're still here, Steph. We're still in New Jersey. Still room. here. This is a little bit like my life. Yeah, Connie Langford's fine. She hasn't She's fine. Broken anything yet? No. I mean, what's quite funny, what's particularly interesting about like being a standby for secretary is that the whole show is about yeah. the lead breaking her ankle and and this yeah. young core iron having to to go on. So I suppose there's like there was a sense of life imitating art. Because that's what happened with Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, yeah, you know, However many years ago. Yeah. And I remember when I got this job, and I think my mum said to me, like, oh, maybe he'll be like Catherine Zeta-Jones and something will happen and you'll get to go on. Or... <laughs> I mean, they could do a musical about it, couldn't they? Well, if they want to, then I am free. Poses, <laughs> you know. Yeah. If anybody would like to base a musical on my story, then uh, let me know. I love a workshop. What? <laughs> Um, how did you so tell me about your kind of career your background where did you start off performing so I'm from North Wales originally Mm -hmm. I just did what you know most young girls who are aspiring to be in the West End did and went to like dance classes and performed in school and my mum and dad are actually a singing duo so they do the pubs and clubs in in North Wales and it's weird like when I, when I was growing up, it was people didn't come to not you didn't see what was actually like available out there. We didn't get many shows that came to the local theatre or anything like that. Yeah, um, I just used to come down to the West End once a year, and I remember coming to see Joseph when I was about eleven and seeing Lindsay Hately and going, I, well, I wonder yeah. what she's doing. But I don't think I ever really believed that I could do it as a career. Okay, I was working as a doctor's receptionist. This is a really long life story. I'm so sorry. That's great. Um, I was working as a doctor's receptionist one day, and that was going to be my my life plan. And then I just had this moment, and I remember it so vividly of filing a file and going, "What am I doing?" And then I went home that afternoon and I phoned a load of drama schools and and asked for them to send me brochures and then I vividly remember my mum saying to me but what are you doing you've got a really good job and it was paying me seven pounds an hour 
and uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, I'm going to London. Yeah. And um, so I went to Arts Ed for three years. And it took me seven years to get my first West End job. And I just did lots of fringe and I did a cruise and did like some short films. And I just did basically anything. Yeah, I was like, I'll do whatever, I don't yeah. care. Well, it's the life of it. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, what was the first person job? My first person job was Billy Elliot. I got given the role on the 23rd of December. I hadn't told anybody that I was auditioning for it because I'd, I'd had so many kind of rejections that I was like, this time I'm just not going to tell anybody because then if it doesn't happen, then I don't have to tell anybody about it. So I hadn't told my mum and dad. And then I got this phone call literally as I was driving back home for Christmas. And I thought, I'm not going to tell them. I made these like fake tickets of Billy Elliot and I wrapped them and put them under the tree. And I was like, this is, this is like your main Christmas present. So after they'd opened everything, I gave them this, this envelope. And my mum opened it and she, it was like two tickets for Billy Elliot on the 19th of February, like starring Steph Parry or something. And she opened it and she went, oh, is this you doing your positive thinking? <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm, this is me trying to tell you that I've got Billy Elliot in the West End. <laughs> so um, then I went straight into Mamma Mia and I crossed over with Billy Elliot. And uh, I was first Tanya, second Donna, third Rosie, and I got to play them all. Rosie once with a terrible chest infection. I sounded horrendous. Oh, no. But I was like, they had nobody else to, to do it. Yeah. And they were like, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, it's going to be fine. And I was just... And Rosie sounded like she was, you know, smoked 40 yeah. a day. And I... Because I played her as a scouser and it was all just like... What did you expect to show for the limousine at the water's edge? And it was literally like the whole show was like that. And it was like... And I remember just the next day being like, please, God, let somebody have come back and yeah. it not have to be me again. In this month's Fergus Has a Go... Fergus has a go at circus with female-led company Mimbra, so he and I popped along to the National Centre for Circus Arts to chat to a couple of the company members. My name's Coral Dawson, and my act in the show is specifically called Lease or Rope, which is an easier name for it, and I climb it, and I move it around, and I can drop. And Jackie? Oh, hello, my name's Jackie Lee. I am just recently joining the cast, so I haven't worked with everybody just yet, but we will get to know each other very well <laughs> next week when we start rehearsals. Um, I do aerial hoop, or Lyra. The difference between Carl's apparatus is hers is a soft, malleable one, and uh, she is the harder substance to go and wrap so she can wrap it and then do lots of dramatic amazing drops where I'm the soft body around a hard object so it hurts a lot when you're leaning your soft tissue against a, a hard piece of metal so sometimes you uh, you go oh do a pretty shape but oh my god it hurts <laughs> so much but um, it's worth it when you get that perfect little image for people to see but they don't know you're in that much pain. <laughs> and you guys are both professional circus performers now how long have you been in the circus how long did it take you to train before you sort of could get reach the level that you're at now i have only been doing this for about five and a half years i trained as an actor first in london like, were you already doing gymnastics no, you never, done, never done anything like that you were like you were like me you were a complete newcomer to yeah i was so how did you build up that level of fitness what did you what did you do what was your regime like to get able to perform the rope. So I was, um, I, I came into it from rock climbing. Uh, I was a climber. You lied, you were <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> I'd only been climbing for two years before. Um, is rock climbing quite similar kind of strength that you need? Yeah, it's a really, really similar strength. Fingers is the one thing you do for climbing that you don't have so much on rope, whereas forearms and like pecs 
legs and lats. Wow, I was never ever going to expect that my lats would get so big. I don't even I don't even know what lats are. <laughs> do I have lats? <laughs> I do have lats. Yeah. Okay, they're, they're sort of underneath my armpits. Yeah, yeah. they wing underneath your shoulder yeah. blades on uh, the side. There you go. Jackie, what about you? How long have you been doing the aerial hoop for? Uh, I've been training and performing for a decade now, so I'm old, but I did it the backwards way. I um, also hadn't had a background at all. I was uh, in a boring office job, so I was using my money to try and find out what I'd like. So I, I tried Wing Chun Kung Fu for a year, but I didn't really agree with the teacher's methods of... Um, boxing your head together when you didn't do it right so I, I thought yeah, oh no on, I don't like this abuse it's not fun and then I tried rock climbing with my brother but he's a lot heavier than me so then I also kind of was like you're too heavy I can't be bothered so I kind of gave that up and then someone said um, National Centre for Circus Arts had adult program for acrobatics or things like that and I was like yep tried it had the taster session on a Saturday and I fell in love so I started to go to all the evening classes I could afford. What's quite encouraging about this is you both say that you came to circus relatively late. You weren't sort of like teen prodigies at no, it all. No I mean, looking at me now, I mean, I basically have the body of like a scrawny, prepubescent teen still. <laughs> How long would it take me, someone like me, to reach peak levels? Could I even reach peak yeah, levels? Yeah, definitely. I think so. But we don't know the time frame. We can't yeah. just give you a date. Um, just every single person's body development is different, so yeah. it depends on how much you put in, how much you take care of yourself, how, how well you eat, or how much you sleep as well. Sleep is very important to recovery time. A lot of a lot of people have ambition but lack of discipline. Um, That's definitely me. And that can be really challenging for a physical career because you. You have, to, you have to get up in the morning and you have to do something. So, so you are both in uh, a show called The Exploded Circus. Just briefly tell us about that show and where it's headed next. We've got this big um, metal structure and there are 144 props hanging from the structure with little tiny black strings. <laughs> so it looks like it's suspended in midair. And throughout the show we explore the stuff that's, ex- um, that's suspended and we... We learn about each other's relation, like characters and relationships, and they develop. And next, we are in um, Warwick Art Centre, and then we go to Lancaster, and we finish off the tour in Burton on Trent. Now we're going to go downstairs to the studio where I've got a 15-minute warm-up to do, I think, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have a little go at the trapeze. Is that uh, right? Um, hoop, aerial hoop, and then some rope with coral. I'm actually really excited. <laughs> And this is a big room. This is a very big room, so it has a lot of. Okay, we are downstairs in a studio at the National Centre for Circus Arts, and I'm just going to start a 15 minute warm up, which is more exercise than I've done in a long time. We've got lots of people. There's someone on the silks over there, um, upside down right now. Uh, There's a chap on the trampoline behind us as well, having a great time. That looks like a lot of fun. So you've had to take your... I've taken my shoes and socks off. Unfortunately, I came prepared. I'm wearing uh, tracksuit bottoms and a very baggy jumper. Is the jumper appropriate? The jumper will be all right. It might get stuck, but we'll... we'll, I'll take it off when we do the... First of all, do you have any injuries? No, no injuries. You're not wearing any jewellery? Not wearing any jewellery. I've taken my watch off. I've taken my hat off. All right, cool. Um, We are going to start warming up. We're going to use most of our upper body. So for now, we are going to swing our arms. And then we're going to just take a step back and just swing across so you can... I'm just going to move slightly out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can see there's a lot of lines hanging about, so just be careful if you whack something. Sure. 
and circle your head three times one way, three times the other. Nice and slow, you're going to get the, the kinks out. Oh yeah, I can already feel the stress leaving <laughs> my body. It's melting away. This is actually quite therapeutic. With the jumping trampoline and the music in the background. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> and now bend your arm and lift your elbow over your head so you can stretch. Can you feel it? I can definitely feel that. This is... You want to try and feel it? Oh no way, that's not happening. <laughs> Another arm across your chest. That's physically painful. <laughs> it's very, uh, very inflexible there. I certainly am. <laughs> that's good. Okay, I'm going to make you do some conditioning. So you're going to lie on your back and I'm going to make you do 20 sit-ups. <laughs> can we make it 10? Is that right? Yeah. One. 20 it is. Two. <laughs> Three. God, this is slow. <laughs> I mean, can we just say that I've got to 20? No. I'm not sure. Just I don't think the podcast can cut this bit, can <laughs> At this point, there were quite a lot more of Fergus struggling through his sit-ups, plus star jumps and other kind of gruelling things. You can just imagine it. One and Last one. Is it. Yeah, you can high-five on that. Good Thank job. You. Okay, so... Crash mat. Let's do You're it. gonna run for half a minute as fast as you can. But I'll, I'll hit the wall. No, you won't. You're on, on the spot. spot. You're gonna run on the spot. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Well, like quick run. Yeah, really fast. Legs up as high as I you can. I might stop before. Okay, I will tell you how far you go. I'm gonna press now. Run. <laughs> Faster, pick up those legs. Really pick them up. <laughs> on the last five seconds, you're gonna sprint as fast as you can. And two, one, sprint. Go, faster, 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 as fast as you can. Go on, don't fall over. Two, one, and stop. <laughs> and he's on the floor. Okay, so we've got a rope or thick, about inch in diameter, white rope made of nylon. And it's about, how high is that? Four meters high? So what you're gonna do is, you're just gonna learn how to climb it. Okay. Okay? Yep. So you're gonna put your hands above your head, as high as you can, and then put them on the rope. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to lift your right leg up and you're going to put it diagonally across the back of the rope. Like that. Like that. And you're going to have it as high as you possibly can. That's okay. as high it goes. I'm okay. always doing like a lotus That's position. That's good. Imagine you're kicking a football up. Yeah. So you're kicking up. Oh, I'm so you want your knee up. high. Okay. Yeah. So you want your knee high. Knee high, like MRI. And you want this foot flexed. So you want toes to the ceiling. Which, this one? Yeah. Okay. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take the weight in your hands but keep your leg where it is. So you can, yeah, take the weight okay, and so then I'm... take this leg off. Yeah? I can't, I'm not, I have the upper body strength of a five-year-old. No, you can do this, you can do this. So you're going to take it up and then this rope is going to come underneath your foot and you're going to stand on it. How am I going to put it there? Just put your foot there. Just do it. I'm trying to just do it. <laughs> there. Oh, there, there. Okay, yes. right, okay. So that's creating a lock. Yes, perfect. Right. Amazing. And that was pretty good. Up. That was really good. And then you down. That, and that's how you climb to the top. I can't do that again. No, you don't. But like that's how you would. So you would climb, and then you would let go of your feet, and then you would bring your legs up, wrap again, stand up, and get your legs. Can I try and go a little bit higher? Yes. Then let go. And then let go with my feet and do it again. Yes. Shuffling up like a like a climbing robot. Keep your hands. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Good. Nice. Okay. I would stop there. <laughs> This That's is really quite hard. How do I get easy. down? Okay, so now you're going to squat down into your feet and bring your arms low. Arms oh, low. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wrap again. And so you have to move, slide your hands down. Yeah, good. Nice. nice. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was good, wasn't it? So that was a yeah. Russian climb. Are you ready to try some hoop? Yeah. 
So we're looking at a, a what is like a steel hula hoop suspended about two meters in the air. The bottom of it's suspended. It does. About two I have to say, it does look quite high. It looks very high. Uh, yeah, I put it quite high because I, I could see that you're already quite strong on the rope. Oh, that's fine. You're jumping straight to intermediate. Here. And let's see if you're um, natural at going upside down. So I'm. Um, just put your legs between your arms and go upside down and put your knees, that's it, that's it. And then slide your knees up and squeeze your feet down to your bottom. Good. Yeah, do you feel safe enough? Good. Keep squeezing your feet down to your bum. And when you're ready, you can reach up with your hands. Cool. That's super easy. That was good. Do you want to hold on tight for a second and I'm just going to give you a little spin. So okay. this is what it feels like to be on a spinning hoop. Okay, it feels like I'm spinning really quite fast now, but I think it looks really quite slow. I can try and spin you faster, but I think you might be sick. Yeah, I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to slow you down. Perfect. Good, you can just jump off if you want. Oh, that's the least safest way to jump off a hoop. Which Brilliant. one do you prefer? Well, the rope or the hoop? I can't choose, they were both equally <laughs> traumatic. So, still here? Still here waiting. Everyone's alright. Everyone's fine. You've had your dinner? Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, so tell me a bit about, because over the summer after Lulu, yeah. you, you played Dorothy. Yeah. So how long was that for? It was for eight weeks. Eight weeks, bloody hell. I had my picture outside the front. That's I had, I had so my picture. Exciting. Yeah, the first time ever I've had like Steph Parry, yeah. the name. I mean, it must have been really different. As you said, I mean, partly you were saying about the logistics of just eating, but it must have been really different. Like <laughs> Eating was a real issue. Yeah. <laughs> just the timetable, just like the yeah. headspace of being on every night mm. and matinees and stuff. So presumably it's a really different yeah. world. I, I'd never done eight shows a week. So that was my first thing was, you know, how I got the stamina to sustain this for, you know, for two months for eight shows with, with no break. Did you miss it when you came off as Dorothy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, massively. It was like, it was just like handing something back that you just didn't want to, like, you know. But I feel so privileged to have had that opportunity because they, they, they definitely, with this show, they, they like to have, you know, a certain calibre of a of, of person playing that role. And so for them to give it to little old me, just, you know, for two months, it was just... Such a, such a dream, you know. Yeah. The, the, the people that have played that role here in Drury Lane are yeah. Bonnie Langford, Lulu, Sheena Easton, yeah, and little old me. Yeah, and it's just like you it's know. such good company to keep, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so so lucky. Um, do you ever like sing along? Do you know what I did when I when I first got here, and I was really like, you know, getting ready to to go on because yeah. I knew because Lulu had NAs in the second week, so I knew I was going on. And uh, so I'd have the relay on and I'd literally like, the dressing room was my stage and I'd act it all out. <laughs> you did the choreography. I'd have, yeah, I'd yeah. have to do the choreography, I'd have my different characters there. And, <laughs> yeah, not now. I think now it's just, I'd just go on and I'd do it. Uh, do you ever, sorry, I'm a fair question, but if you're listening, do you ever think, oh, I wouldn't do it like that? <laughs> <laughs> No. No, of course not. <laughs> no. Do you know what? I don't think I even listen like that that closely. Okay. It is funny, like I but I mean Bonnie is she's brilliant. So we basically we've reached the end of the show now and it's all been fine, so that's another 
Another day sorted. <laughs> Another day of eating. <laughs> and But today, you know, I got to do an interview, so that's quite cool. I have prevented you from doing your life admin, though, so I hope you get to catch up on it tomorrow. Do you know what? I've got another show tonight, so... Okay. <laughs> you are lucky. Right. I've still got time to do the <laughs> life admin. Oh, Steph, thank you so much for talking to me. No that problem. It's been my pleasure. So now we're just going to try and sneak to the uh, side of the auditorium and so we can just catch the last few seconds of the show and the curtain call. It's about to happen. Is it? Yeah. This is the end. You would know as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Act 1 Beginner's Call. Standby please, stage management, wardrobe and all technical stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your Act 1 Beginner's Call. Thank you. There we go. Thank you for listening. More next month. Please do subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast app you use. And don't forget, you can also find loads of reviews, news, interviews and loads more at thestage.co.uk. Thank you very much to Charcoal Blue for supporting this. But until November, goodbye.